The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. I trust you, Colin. I hope you trust me. Um, I, the world is so short on trust, though. We need a barometer to test trust. What does the Edelman Trust Barometer, which has been going since the year 2000, tell us about trust? It has become a, a remarkable little piece of uh, information that we get every year to kind of track those changes. And uh, the, the reason this is uh, Edel, uh, Edelman is a PR company. So trust, you can imagine, is a very key part of what it is they try to trade for their clients. Um, and in 2000, this is when uh, the sort of uh, protests against globalization had reached a bit of a peak, certainly in the U.S., uh, and they were kind of intrigued, like, how did this happen? Who, why are these people protesting? What is driving the sentiment that would get somebody going onto the streets because, you know, the world is doing something for everybody's benefit? Globalization was a good idea. Why are people so upset about it? Uh, and in tracking what people had to say about what they thought um, where most trust is, is, is situated, as in, is in governments, in business, in media and NGOs, They've uh, managed to track world events and then overlay that with what people have said to those same questions year in, year out in uh, 38 countries, about 35,000 surveys are done every year, and then see if they can see not just, uh, ah, that explains why people did what they did or said what they said, but to get some sense to say that some of these um, cycles, as it were, are slightly bigger than that year-to-year one. And by tracking those bigger cycles, they can see, look, is this pointing in the right direction or the wrong direction for where things are going. So back in the 2001, uh, the issue there was globalization and principally the people uh, that had most of the aisle, that the, the, the aisle was being directed was at companies, uh, rich CEOs making promises about what their companies would do and how wonderful it would be for the citizens of those developed democracies who were told they will have you know, more produce at lower prices, only to find that the cost of it was their jobs would disappear to a country where somebody was prepared to do that work for less. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the shift started <laughs> happening again as, as governments sought, sought to intervene and, and try and replicate or uh, uh, intervene on, the, on that behalf. Uh, and things started stabilizing a bit for business until 2009. You can bet that the tr- trust in business once again plummets uh, following the big recession. Now, they'd sort of uh, been looking around what business needed to do to improve its trust or how it could improve its trust in, in the build up to that. And they saw that it, it wasn't actually happening. Um, and so maybe it wasn't that surprising that business wasn't invested in looking after what people would be mm. trusting in or even listening to people to that uh, that much, but rather looking after shareholders rather than the supposed stakeholders. And, and so it went around again uh, in the early 2000s. The issue there was with uh, various governments. And I suppose uh, South Africa might start falling into that mix as well, where the uh, the belief and the sort of honeymoon periods that started coming to an end. Our World Cup was over and the question was what was going to happen next? Uh, where, where business then was seen to to play a more a more growing role. Uh, come sort of 2015, 2016, so we've got the, the sort of question marks about stagnating global economies, uh, not delivering much for their citizens. So the rise of misinformation and the drop in, in media, uh, along with the, the, the growth of social media, which at one point was seen as this magnificent uh, dem- democratizing of information for everybody uh, by the sort of mid-2015s, people were starting to say, actually, there's some real issues here. Uh, And you have the Brexits and the Donald Trumps using that misinformation, sowing that division, uh, sort of building up to the cycle and possibly the the, the peak of it now where um, initially there was a a boost for for governments 
when the pandemic first broke because they were looking to look after their citizens. But as the pandemic wore on and, you know, they started making claims that didn't turn out to be true, uh, that they didn't seem to know what they were doing. And, and there was a lot of division between what should or shouldn't happen. Uh, government's um, uh, trust plummeted, uh, as did media. Now, maybe it's good for me just to mention a couple of key terms here, which they're defining the reports, but it's a 72 page thing. So I'm going to have to give you a very simplified version. Then that is, well, what is trust in the first place? And I suppose for humans, we, we, we tend to be trusting. We can't get and get anything done if we don't trust that if Bruce said uh, he will remain quiet while I tell him some things. Uh, and talk right I, say, I would then... say that I'll remain quiet. And of course I do naturally. So, so that's the one thing. No, I guess uh, so, so, the, the ethicalness the, the, <laughs> of, of what, of what somebody will do. And the second one, and this is the one when I read it, I thought, of course, but actually it's the real thing you want to measure again. It's the effectiveness. If somebody says they're going to do something and they then don't do it, that destroys trust. And if they do do it, then that builds trust. So simply doing what you said you're going to do is a critical element of trust. And so this particular study and, and many others that look at, at, at similar things simply use trust on a sort of a matrix. It says um, how ethical or how justified are your decisions just to the person that you are telling this. You know, you, you might tell me something that is hugely unethical, but if I happen to agree with it, then I would agree. I would trust you because I agree with your ethics. And on the other scale, it's how uh, effective you are. You said you were going to do it and you delivered it by such and such a time. So that's the, the one element that uh, is, is factored in here. And the second one is the scale they use to say are things trustworthy or untrustworthy. So they make a scale 0 to 49 as being distrustful, uh, from 50 to 59 as being neutral, and then from uh, 60 to, to 100 as being trusting. And for the most part, many institutions that, that we're talking about here sort of move high end of neutral, low end of neutral, top end of distrusting, lower end of trusting. So we, we tend to operate in that big, messy middle for the most part. But of course, uh, when people write headlines about barometers and reports and things, you don't tell them most things are in the middle. You talk about the things that are the outliers. So while uh, in this case, media and governments are down, they're down from where they were trusted to now they're kind of neutral. And for some parts of media from uh, neutral to not being trusted anymore. So those are the sort of uh, measurement stakes that we'll have. And so now I'll run through a couple of the elements uh, that they used as, as factors. Uh, and seeing as you were discussing the situation in uh, Ukraine earlier, uh, I thought they might be useful to, to play a clip of a, the Ukrainian president and to ask you if what he said um, makes you feel trust or lack trust in what he had to say. So this is Vladimir Zelensky. I think it was yesterday that he, he made the statement. Of course, it been in Ukrainian. There is an English translation that will play. During the last 24 hours, the situation in eastern Ukraine has been under control. Yes, there is still shooting. Yes, there are still violations of the ceasefire, and the enemy troops haven't disappeared from the area near our borders. But the main thing is that we have zero wounded and zero killed. Protect your body from viruses, your brain from lies, your heart from panic. <laughs> Up until that point, I was willing to give him benefit of the doubt, and then he just went off piste, didn't he? He did, and... The thing I think that this report and I certainly resonate with is that when politicians typically are asked for things like, when will the pandemic end? The answer is, I don't know. But politicians really give those ones. They'd rather give you an answer they know not to be true, just so that you can say, ah, you see, he, he's speaking with confidence or he will tell me something to give me comfort, rather than saying he has no way of knowing because nobody does. So 
I would submit that for the president of uh, Ukraine to want to calm the people of Ukraine and offer them words of comfort is a good thing. But to tell them, hey, there's no problem, everything's fine, don't worry about it, not that he went that far, I just don't know if that's going to leave him in a position of trust when something does happen, even if it's something minor. They'll say, ah, but you said nothing will happen. Uh, and again, the way people process this information is we get so much of it. We take the headline and we treat that as if it's the entire story. Yeah. The, the rest of it, the detail, often gets lost. And whether that be you know, a, an issue that you would, would lay at the door of media or, or at the door of governments or any, or, or business, um, well, that's just not a problem that's not going to away. So we can't keep pretending that it's, it's, it's not an issue. So let's start then with, with the media. The, the survey breaks uh, media down into four sections, uh, not necessarily ones that you'd even consider media, but there you go. Uh, social media has a current trust uh, rating of 37%. This is for the 2022 uh, survey. Owned media, which would be commercial media, uh, media that isn't part of the uh, you know state public run sort of media uh, companies, that's at 43%. So both of those not trusting. Traditional media, uh, I imagine these would be the sort of long running newspapers, radio stations and things that have either publicly funded or have been around for long enough not to be the sort of uh, ones that have recently popped up and, and, and typically are chasing dollars for revenue. Uh, that comes in at 57%. And search engines, which I'm kind of impressed with, comes in at 59%. Now, given that the dominant news stories are certainly after the uh, over the last year would have been related to the pandemic and government's reactions to it, then you can start seeing how a very complex story being told by multiple channels, and particularly I would put the own media and social media as being vectors for why this is a problem, uh, because, you know, commercial media companies are, are looking for advertising revenue. And in a pandemic, when the, the economy sort of tanks a bit, you need to make sure you're going to have as many eyeballs or ears or whatever as you can get to try and attract those advertising dollars. And the only way you're going to get that attention is if you start saying things that are more and more, I won't say outrageous, but things that are going to make sure people engage with your channel, with your media, to make sure that they want to listen. And so in this report, one of the questions was, you know, determining how much do you believe that the, re the reporting, both by politicians uh, and media, was sort of um, exaggerated. And a lot of people felt that what was being said was exaggerated, not for the purpose of sharing information, but for the purpose of sort of making a point or proving a point uh, and looking to gain out of that. And I suppose South Africa doesn't have as, as clear a context as perhaps uh, uh, the US does in their sort of CNN versus Fox News, where the same story reported by both stations to somebody who doesn't know what their audience appeal is, would say, man, these are two different stories that you're reporting on. So that was the, the, the big split that the media has. And of course, the challenge that the media will continue to have is to say, um, how do consumers of media make the distinction between social media, which is everybody gets to say their own piece, own media where you need to know there is a, a vested interest perhaps for why that particular organization is saying what they're doing, trying to find a way that traditional media can still stand out as, as something that is not trying to grab headlines or, or, or grow big audiences, but simply provide you with good, solid, reliable you know, tr truth, for want of a better word. Um, and, and then search engines, I suppose, as the aggregator, the curator for where you get those. Uh, politicians, by the same token, you know, they're short-term thinking, chasing uh, uh, voting cycles and looking to make the most out of whatever crisis comes their way, including this thing in the Ukraine, um, is not going to help humanity when it comes to saying, hey, we've got much bigger, really global problems we have to address, like climate change. And trying to say your party is better than the other party by promising you'll get rid of cars when you've got no prospect of doing so uh, within the 30-year, 10-year time frame that you give yourself is crazy. Uh, similarly, on the flip side, 
making pronouncements about how wonderful the country is going to be in 60 years time doesn't also help anybody if you have no plans for how you're going to get there we, we kind of need both the long-term commitment and and then the plan to get there i'm mindful that that time is going to be against me to run through the other things but the other factors that they look at in terms of how business has done well is because um there is an element of localness that has become very very powerful so while ceos as a category are not necessarily highly trusted the notion of my CEO is very trusted. And I suppose if during the pandemic, your business sought to uh, accommodate you, let you work from home, you know, look after the kids, whatever else, that would endear you to that company. And if they said, we're going we're gonna to do what we can to keep on as many people as possible, then you can understand how your CEO is going to be somebody that you would look up to. And I would say that in, in my case, I felt that way about how our company responded. We felt like we were included, were open to say what the situation is, and, and we were given the plans for what was going to happen next and, and how they would, would roll out. So now the opportunity that this report says is if those my CEOs acting locally understand that they have got the trust and support of their workers, then they can bring their influence onto local municipalities, other local institutions, and then the local institutions can bring that same uh, influence to bear on the national and even international bodies to sort of re regain that trust because the, the, the amount of information, the difficulty taking it all in is just too much. Uh, I'll leave it over there. There's still quite a few other points. There's a big bit that goes into, you know, what drives our fear. So you don't trust anything if you don't think the, the world's going to go very well. And the biggest one that I think really we have to address is the growing gap between those who are wealthy and informed about the world becoming more trusting because they can see, sort of see the wood for the trees and those who are being marginalized, not seeing hope in anything. And so being drawn in by populist and nationalist thinking, uh, looking at crazy, but simple and easy to understand plans for radical changes, <laughs> sounding like great options. So in and amongst all that, hopefully we'll learn a little something about trust. Colin Cullis, thank you very much indeed. Trustworthy as always on a Wednesday night.